0: Hello everybody, this is Jeffrey Harris reporting for the 411 Wrestling Interviews Podcast. Today's date is Monday, May 13th, day after Mother's Day. I hope everyone had a good Mother's Day weekend. And I'm speaking with the one and only legendary wrestler, the first ROH World Champion, the former MLW World Champion, the former TNA X Division Champion, Tag Team Champion, and Too many accolades to mention in this podcast. He is Loki. Loki, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for having me. Man, Loki, you are one of my favorites. I've been following your career for a long time. So this is a great honor and pleasure for me, you know, going back to, you know, year one of ROH. uh, So this is pretty exciting. So thank you very much for your time. Um,. Recently, you've gotten to work with uh, Tom Lawler, who has a background in MMA and uh, used to fight for the UFC. How have you liked working with Tom Lawler, and uh, how do you think he's adapted to the whole pro wrestling game?
1: I think he's adapting quite well. I think he still has plenty to learn. His, uh, his learning curve is, is much better than others because he already comes with a fighting background, and that's, uh, that's a big help with athletes. The hesitation is not there when uh, they're uncertain or when they're fearful of uh, just things that they can't control. So coming in with a fighting background, especially at the level of the UFC, there's a high degree of discipline. That's the reason why the UFC fighters are a different class. They're just a higher quality of fighter, and that's why it's so hard to survive there. He has that experience, so his transitioning into pro wrestling is an easier transition because he doesn't have the same hesitation as a lot of other people would.
0: Okay, now recently uh, on MLW Fusion, there's been some talk about your contract and whatnot. I'm curious, what is your contract status with uh, MLW? Are you on some type of handshake deal, or do you have a, a long-term contract with the promotion?
1: Well, I have a, an agreement with Cord Bauer, and that agreement has been fulfilled. We have another discussion that needs to be held upcoming soon. And uh, with uh, Promociones Dorado being in the mix, that uh, that definitely changes things from when uh, we were first in discussion at the end of 2017 and then ultimately began together in uh, 2018 in
0: January. Now, I'm just curious, Loki, at this point in your career, do you ever want to sign a long-term contract with anybody? Are you open to that or do you just want to kind of work things out this way?
1: I'm always open to, to new ideas but I understand what things need to be accomplished in order to get desired results. I've been around for a long time and I understand the business process probably better than most because I'm patient. A lot of people aren't especially in today's world of pro wrestling and the business side if you really want to operate this as a business You really got to understand what you're getting yourself into, and most companies don't understand that. They're not organized properly. They don't have the right people in charge. They don't have the right people executing things that need to be done. So right now I'm in a perfect realm because I'm in the teacher position from almost every angle that I come from. And it's because I come with a lot of experience, but I make the people around me better.
0: Now, I'm very curious, you have been around uh, quite a while, you've wrestled pretty much everywhere, you've wrestled in Ring of Honor, TNA, Impact Wrestling, you've wrestled in WWE, so I'm just curious, what do you think of what's going on with the pro wrestling scene today, because I think from my perspective, there is at least options for wrestlers and guys like you to have a career and and make money and, and make a name for yourselves, even if you're not in the WWE.
1: Well, it's, it's a different world now, as much as people want things to remain the same, it's not going to, because it's a different world. The, the culture of pro-wrestling that I began in is not the same that exists now, but the people who were in that era are usually in charge now, you're going to see trickles of those behaviors of the old culture, but <clears throat> they're trying to operate it more like a pro-sports environment with the WWE and then you have other companies trying to mimic that same uh, format which you know that's nice but you still need the right people in the right positions to operate things properly that takes a long time and it takes a lot of skill that's the reason why MLW has done so well in the past year because the people both in and out of the ring come with skill
0: now in terms of all elite wrestling have you been paying attention to what's been going on with them lately do you think they have an interesting model coming up, or, or have you not been paying attention to that? I'm just curious.
1: No, I have no idea of what they're doing. The only suggestion I would think, or the only idea I would develop off of that is those guys that are involved, they seem to have been in other places that have left them with a bad taste in their mouth, so they're making an attempt to operate things the way that they would want to. So... But that wouldn't be any different than any one of us thinking that we could do better. They just have the resources to do it, so they're giving it a shot. And it seems like they what they want isn't too far off of what people want as far as the audience. So, I mean, if their if their stuff is growing, go for it. Why not?
0: Now, I've always I'm just
1: be- a fan of scale. I just don't like things that are done in poor poor quality or poor taste. So that was.
0: Now, I've always been curious, in your own words, why do you think your, your short-lived run in WWE did not work out? And I, I know you just mentioned poor taste and poor quality. Did that have anything to do with it?
1: Not on my end. I show up to work the same way I do everywhere else. I've been consistent. But the games that are played there and the management that was there at that time, they weren't interested in my participation. I came with more experience than some of the main eventers at that time, so why was why was I wasted in that fashion? But that's what they wanted to involve me, and in. just like fighters, you just show up and fight. You don't complain; you just get it done. I tried, didn't work out, so we went our separate ways.
0: Uh, did it bother you that you were put in the position of being brought in through the the NXT season?
1: Well, initially, when I first found out, because they didn't bother. It's only to watch, just like everybody else. I'm like, okay. So this is what you guys are doing? All right. I'll try to make it work.
0: Now, so,
1: that was pretty simple on my end.
0: Now, watching you over the years, Loki, I've always felt you've had a, a wrestling style that is very uniquely you, and and I don't know too many other wrestlers who have a style like you, I mean, just going over all these years. Do you have anything to say about like how you've adapted your style and, and how you developed and worked out uh, your in-ring style?
1: Well, <clears throat> you, you said a particular word which was actually uh, frowned upon when I was in WWE. They they had asked us for information about ourselves in regards to the production for the NXT video graphics and information being presented to the public. So they would ask, as far as, what is what would you consider my style? And I, cont- I always considered it an ad- adaptation. And the reason being is because I can flow with just about anybody in that ring with any style. But that takes skill because you have to study those styles. You have to practice those styles. You have to train with people who know those styles so that when you come across people with those styles, you can hold your own. So I trained, I learned, I was qualified to do practically any style. Why? Because I trained for it. And I wasn't a loudmouth like a lot of other people in order to hype matches. I'm old style. We do all our talking in the ring. And then when we're in the ring, what is it that we're saying? It's the quality of what you're doing. So I'm not coming in and and just being a hype machine to generate some attention. I'm coming in to, to be the best one in there. So the reason why I'm a multi-time champion. There's a reason why I'm a multi-time Hall of Famer. Coming to win. But it's not calling it in and taking it easy and, and insulting the people who show up at the arena. You never do that to them. But you let everybody know who you are through the quality of your work. I think that's simple.
0: Uh, one of my favorite matches of yours that just blew me away at the time was when you faced Kenta at final battle uh back in two thousand five, what do you what do you remember about that match and getting to work with Kenta? It's probably like one of my favorite matches ever.
1: Well, I got I was very upset going into it because I thought I was going to be the only title defense in the United States. So shortly before the, that match, they ended up announcing it would be a title defense in uh, Harley Race's Camp in Kansas City. And no discredit, but. He, he needs to be well-rested for somebody like me. And, you know, you don't do that to champions, especially champions who have a high output like he does. I already understood that I ended up putting on a couple of pounds extra on muscle weight in preparation for that match. So I, was, I understood what I was getting myself into for that type of match, but that was more of a business decision from a company that I didn't agree with. I just thought, you don't do that to your fighters. You don't do that to your guys. That's a wasted and wasted effort. And then on top of that, if he beats him and then he comes to me, you know, what does that, that give him as a, as a credit to the guys in Kansas City? That's not fair to them. So at any rate, he doesn't show up at 100%. It takes me seven hours to actually find the arena, get there on time, and then warm up well enough to be ready to go. That match, it was just, it was ferocious for a reason. I was in a bad mood. He was in a bad mood. Great, we're in a bad mood. Let's fight. That's what we did. I mean, the competitive nature of pro wrestlers, and that's the difference. Pro wrestlers, we're competitors. We train for a living. We're not talking for a living. We train for a living. So this is the same style as Olympians. You dedicate your body to something to this degree. You have a higher quality output, and that's why he's as good as he is, and that's why I'm as good as I am. It's not by chance we're putting in the work. And then when you get two guys who are at that level, and they are committed to that degree, and you unleash them, that's what you get. And it was just respect. We competed at the highest level. We gave it everything we got, and look at both of us laying in a pile at the end of that match
0: uh that's outstanding now that being said would you ever like the chance to work with kent again um all these years later
1: oh uh, i mean i think uh, it would have to be for something big not just just for the sake of doing it right St. Pierre. is not being adhered to because a lot of people are young and inexperienced or so they're making a lot of mistakes so it doesn't look as organized or as uh, I don't want to say professional because I know that people are definitely trying but it just doesn't look as as clean or as mature as it probably should
0: you know GSP recently retired from MMA so maybe you can you guys can set that up maybe through Josh uh, Barnett. Or something, you guys can put something together. So, uh, I'd, I'd be definitely in for that. I stay in shape. I, I
1: know that he's, well, the last one was middleweight, so he was at 185, and he, right. he did well to weight. So that was what, 170, 155 is lightweight. But, I mean, I can make either pretty easy.
0: Um, Frank Mears, he's also uh, going into pro wrestling now. Would you ever want to work with him? Even though he's he's who's that? Uh, he's a former UFC heavyweight champion, actually. Oh, and I, did, I didn't hear
1: your, I didn't hear the name. Oh, That's Frank Frank Mir, Frank Mir. Oh, uh, him? Yeah. yeah. I'd like to keep my limbs. He's way bigger than the guys <laughs> I usually rolling with. But uh, you know, a, a huge degree of respect for him because he his jitsu came with attitude. That's what we need. That's what we need in pro wrestling. That's what we need in fighting. Attitude behind him, but the guys have to back it up. The only way it works is when you win. The only way it works is when you win with skill. You can't argue with that.
0: Now, I, I've always heard about there kind of being a feud with you and Jim Cornette back in the day of Ring of Honor. Is there any truth to that? Did you two not get along?
1: Well, he thinks I'm the one who knocked out his tooth. So, he was a little upset about that. I guess he holds a grudge.
0: Did Did you knock out his tooth?
1: I don't discuss stuff that goes on in the locker room, so I'm not going to discuss it here. Because okay. it seems to be common practice nowadays where people just want to blurt out whatever they feel and just let people wonder what's going on and for what. This is all old carny nonsense. Do all your talking in the ring otherwise. Keep your mouth shut.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Now... Do you ever get the sense that you've been misunderstood or misread by people in the industry or, or people are purposefully trying to bury you or give you a bad rap?
1: Well, there's a, there's a difference in commitment. There's a complete difference in commitment. I knew that from the start. I saw the people around me, why they were failing. And the thing was, the stuff that I recognized early on was the stuff that I recognized about my career, why people were failing. They're not not busy concerned with themselves and their responsibilities. They're busy talking about other people. I let people talk and say whatever they want. That's important to them. It's their opinion. Their opinion is no business of mine. I stay in my lane and take care of what I need to take care of. That's the reason why I'm so highly successful. I'm organized. I understand how to execute. People waste their time with things that are distracting and they don't serve a good purpose for them. They got something to say about me, okay? That's on them. But I'm not in their space. I'm not bothering them. They just feel the need to say something about me, so obviously I'm doing something correctly.
0: Now, going back right. to, to MLW, um, it looks like you are <laughs> scheduled for Fury Road on June 1st. Uh, will you be working that event?
1: Well, it's been in discussion. Okay. contract settlement or the contract issues coming up recently. This is stuff that we need to address. I may be there. I would hope to be there. I will hope our camps will be able to discuss what we need to discuss and clarify what needs to be straightened out, and then we can move forward. So my intent is I always show up for work. So you know, my intent is being there.
0: Uh, in your own words, what do you think about Hour and what he's been able to do with uh, MLW recently?
1: I think from this side of the contract, he's done a great job. And not in regards to me, but in regards to the the company. And his approach is, is much different than what I've seen throughout my career at the different levels of operation. So, I think from the wrestler's side, he's done a pretty good job because the environment is not the same as other companies. Now, behind the, outside the ring and behind the camera, that stuff, you can't argue with his success, not one bit. Why? Because his team, they're all experienced individuals in their positions at the highest level. So the, the chances of success increase when you've got skilled people and skilled role, role players. So overall... I mean, it's, there's a reason why it's successful, there's a reason why it's advanced as fast as it has, and we're still growing. So overall, just there's a good reason for that success, and it's a very, very good approach as a team.
0: Do you think now that Impact Wrestling has changed management, changed branding, ownership, do you think they're in a better place to succeed now than they were maybe back in the Spike TV era? Uh,
1: no. Depends on the, the leadership, because if these people don't know what they're doing, they're going to run into a lot of trouble. This is a very unique business, and the, it's the operation of the wrestling business, the business side that not many people are aware of, not many people are familiar with. You get glimpses when wrestlers talk about it, but the business side it'll, it engulfs. Excuse me, it engulfs a whole lot of stuff. So, and to be successful, you have to really do a good job at keeping your stuff straightened out and organized. So if they don't have that in place, they're going to keep running into the same issues as other people who've tried to run the company. The Spike TV era, it was just on a larger scale of mismanagement. So that's unfortunate because if you look back at the talent that's been there, the people who would genuinely do a good job, how many chances did they have to do well? And unfortunately, they had to take a huge hit so now they moved on they got their management hopefully they know what they're doing because this stuff is not easy now if they're not doing it well it, it gets worse
0: now not to be negative low key but i mean going back to that time when uh, it was tna wrestling and you were x division champion They had guys like you samoa joe aj styles christopher daniels I mean AJ Styles is in WWE now and he's been a, a multiple time world champion. Uh Samoa Joe is a top star on Raw now. I mean you guys have one of the best rosters I've ever seen. You guys had a you guys were in 100 million homes on Spike TV. What was why did what was going on there? You you mentioned mismanagement earlier. I always believed Dixie Carter did not know what the hell she was doing. Am I wrong? Okay. It wasn't her fault though. Okay. She was
1: an outsider coming in with a resource, which was Panda Energy,
0: mm. and she was being used for it. So whatever they did to her
1: was sell her the idea to get her money. Then she's operating TNA, but it's not operating efficiently because they start hemorrhaging money, especially with Spike TV. Hogan and Bischoff show up, and with all that money that's invested, how much of a return was there? You have the guys who are on top now, like Joe and AJ, I had a good run in MLW this past year. So all the guys of really high skill, what are they now? They're doing really, really well. Why? Because their stuff was authentic. They weren't there stealing money. They were there working their butts off and showing the world why they're as good as they are. I've been in the ring with those guys. I know the degree of competitiveness that they have. Those guys are the real deal. But the old style of pro wrestling was not necessarily to be authentic it was to sell the idea of this is the biggest show on earth come check it out it's the old Carney method
0: now I'm also curious that that Pac-Man Jones feud and working with Pac-Man Jones what did you think about that and when they had the whole football thing I mean I was not a fan of that
1: (laughs) I hated it They asked us to do it. We couldn't touch him.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And our truth or killings, he's sitting there trying to make something out of nothing. He's trying his best. And it's like, what was the whole idea? Somebody sold somebody the idea that the crossover and the sports thing would work, because it's worked in the past. But you're going to take somebody who's involved in something that's quite dangerous and quite bad and may not have a good reputation to associate with the company, and you're forcing it on us. It's poor management. It's not knowing what they're doing. But that's not just there. That happens in a lot of companies. Well, you got super good ideas and then they use the wrong people for it because they want to do it themselves. This is now my idea. This is the mismanagement I'm talking about. Not doing what's best.
0: Now, since you've wrestled a lot of the all time greats in your career, are there any are there any Names you can single out in particular you think are just stand out, some of the most upstanding professional workers you've ever gotten in the ring with?
1: Oh, of course. Eddie Guerrero was at the top of the list.
0: Fantastic. I got to him with with his, uh, I was his first match
1: after he left the WWF, and just my interaction with him, his his, uh, how should I say it? The energy that I could feel while working with him as as a martial artist and a person who's done something for two decades, I can physically sense a lot of stuff. So his energy was different. Um, his crispness, his technique, his control, the level of execution behind that. Um, and I would compare him to, like, Kento Kobashi. Two different body types, two different wrestlers, but there's a uniqueness about them that's similar. Kobashi, he had an aura about him. But you can tell that he was skilled at what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. So he was a master at it. And, I mean, there's just been plenty of guys. Fujiwara being in the ring with him. Hashimoto, Otani... These are like all legends and guys that I had to compete against. And even he just passed away, Silver King. I went one-on-one with him in all Japan in Yokohama, in the Yokohama arena. I mean, he had a control to him. He had a uniqueness to him. And he was actually, I learned a lot from him while my time in all Japan, which was roughly around 2003, 2004. 2004. So, I mean, there's just there's a gift, there's a uniqueness about the legends that separates them from everyone else hell, even the great Muda that was the person I looked up to when I began my journey I got in the ring with him for the first time on opposite sides not too long ago I've teamed with him in the past but never faced him one on one so even his uniqueness, his aura, his control, his technique. Completely different, but there was still a similarity between him and all those other guys that I named. So I mean it's that's the one thing I've always never done is pick a favorite. People ask me, do you have a favorite match? No, every one of those people are different. So they bring something unique and something different. So I have an appreciation for his uniqueness.
0: All right, uh, low key. I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, just last thing: Do you have any plugs or any social media things you'd like to send out to the fans, or how people can find you, or, or where they can find you, wherever? Um, well, they can contact just, me yeah. through social media. On my uh, Twitter
1: account at all one word, one world warrior. On Facebook, the professional low key. And on Instagram at L-O-W-K-I 1979. You're a fan. Thank you for the support. If you're not, thank you for the difference of opinion. And uh, if you got something to say, shoot me a message. I appreciate
0: it. Uh, and Lowkey, thank you again for your time today. And just thanks again for you know your career and all the great matches and experiences you've given us over the years. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do next, man.
1: I appreciate it. I'm trying to
0: keep everybody on their toes. <laughs> You've definitely <laughs> kept me on my toes today. Uh, just, cause, just because I, you know, I, I, I do you know, I want to ask. I want to ask you. <laughs> <quick>. <laughs> now I'm getting nervous, so I'm just gonna stop it right there. But thank you, man, and have a great day. I appreciate it. all right, all right man. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Bye bye.